I'm Adam Bishop, and you're listening to the Office Print Visionaries podcast, the show where we go behind the scenes with IT teams who are looking for a different way to deliver print. My guest today is Gregory Almans, IT manager at Bluesafe. In this episode, Gregory guides us through how to plan a print environment when you have a small IT team. And if you're stuck on security, and given that Quocerca tells us only 24% of customers are confident that their print infrastructure is fully protected, I guess most of you are, Gregory has some tips on how to think about it differently and to transfer the risk. So really pleased to welcome Gregory Hermans today. Um, and hopefully, Gregory, we're going to learn a lot about what a, what a small business can do and, and how you guys are thinking about technology and specifically around print in your organization. Um, so really, really pleased to have you on the show. Thank you. Do, do you want to start with a bit of a background on yourself and a little bit on your organization? So some of your... Okay. your- well, I'm uh, I'm an IT manager. I work for um, uh, Brusef, which is a school in uh, Brussels, Belgium. A uh, couple of words on my background. I come from the development world. So I used to be a developer and uh, specialize in the Microsoft world. I used to be a Microsoft solution architect. Um, but uh, and, and I have some reasonable knowledge about security also. The part of my career was about security, VPN and firewall, that kind of things. But for five years now, I've been an IT manager and I manage IT now really from an end-to-end point of view, from a global point of view. And um, right now, so my mission is to uh, uh, take care of the IT of uh, Brusef, uh, which is a school in Brussels. and. Um, it's actually a groupings of uh, several schools that came together. Um, it's the, a school that teaches the, uh, the the civil security professions, so policemen, firemen, paramedics, that kind of uh, professions. And um, we uh, we started from uh, a special situation where actually each school was separated, has its own life, and they came together for for several reasons. Uh, um, of course, for better coordination between all these uh, professions that uh, only learn to know each other when they start working on the field. So we thought that it was interesting if there are more coordination during their studies, during their training. And um, so, but what's interesting about this project is that we um, we started from nothing. I mean, the uh, some schools were very were very low tech. So mm-hmm. they they had. I mean, a couple of PCs uh, in a work group configuration, uh, uh, a completely heterogeneous uh, uh, fleet of small printers in scattered in offices. And um, others uh, schools had a much better IT, but they were the, the IT was taken care of by a partner, which they had to leave when they came to us. And so they came completely empty handed. So okay. this project start, started from what, what we used to call in development a greenfield situation. We just we had a new campus with a new building and all we had, had were the, the walls. We had to start from scratch from there. And so, um, so, so where do you start as an IT organization? Uh, Looking at a greenfield, is it a list of core services and what comes first? Or are you you're planning architectures? Or where, where do you start on that process? Yeah, well, being a proficient in ITIL, I usually start with what I call the, the core service catalog, the base, the basic service catalog, which are mainly five services: the uh, the PCs, the uh, the network, the telephones, um, some kind of collaboration, file sharing te- 
technology, and of course, printing and scanning. And these are really the basic technologies. They are the technologies that in most companies that have been there for some time. And so uh, people consider this a given. It's, it's, a, it's a base technology that should work. It's no different than water or electricity. Uh, it's what I call an invisible technology. But when you're starting from scratch, even the invisible technology are not implemented. So you have to, to do a lot of work uh, to make it work. But though these are foundational technologies, these are really important technology on which you're going to base all your core business applications. Most of these technologies are not core business for us. We are not going to differentiate ourselves by the way that we are printing or scanning. Sure. Um, so um, when I started, so uh, I, yeah, it was uh, two years ago that we started this project, end of 2018 and beginning of 2019. And since I was starting completely from scratch, I, um, I, did, I, I do a lot of technology watch. I, I, I study a lot. I keep up to date with the new tendency, with the new technology, with all the cloud uh, developments. And uh, I decided at that time that the, the market was mature enough that I could be really bold about doing really a cloud first, maybe even a cloud only implementation for even for these five basic services. So I wanted, I went into looking into cloud telephony. I wanted into cloud PC management into, uh, of course, the easiest where the cloud file sharing, uh, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Um, but then I came to printing and, um, and scanning and there was surprised because I didn't find a lot of, I did a small, some prospection. And I couldn't find a lot of, uh, of, of services. And, um, so I, uh, I asked about our provider, Konica Minolta, uh, can you give me some kind of cloud-based printing, uh, scanning technology? And actually they, they didn't immediately. Uh, had a, a good solution. What they proposed was to take care of it for us, but still doing using a classical architecture with the print server in a virtual machine that they would manage. So, and so it was basically a kind of outsourced outsourced printing model where the, yeah, the vendor so would manage for you. Basically, uh, my cloud strategy was basically that's just a way of outsourcing some uh, concerns from IT uh, because we are a very small team. We are uh, only three people, me included. And so we have to consider very carefully which skills and which tasks we are going to take ourselves and our responsibility. And obviously, we want to concentrate ourselves on the tasks that are really close to the core business of mm -hmm. the school, of being a school. So I want to take responsibilities for supporting the timetabling software that we use for uh, planning the courses using constraints. But for printing and scanning, I wanted kind of getting rid of the problem with a good outsourcing model. And um, But I wanted a good outsourcing model, meaning that I, I really want to have a good uh, um, implementation, a, cloud, a good cloud implementation. Um, and for me, the best possible cloud implementation is a serverless implementation. Okay. And that's something that's not, that not always easy, even when I talk with, with provider to, to explain, because some providers, they think that because they have a virtual machine in the cloud, that they are doing software as a service. Mm -hmm. But 
what I was looking, so that's what Konica Minolta offered at first was to, 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 to just do what, what they usually do. What, what I used to do in, a, in previous job was to have a, a classical prints, printing and, and, and um, scanning setup, but instead of having it on premise in, on, in our server, we would lift yeah. and shift it into the cloud. But if you do that, um, you're still keeping some of the hassle. You mean it's you still have what I call hidden risks and hidden costs, because even though you don't manage it yourself, you know that you have some dedicated uh, resources that are just dedicated for you. Mm -hmm. And um, what I was really looking for the, or good SaaS for me a good SaaS implementation in serverless in the sense that. There is no dedicated resource for the customer. It's completely shared. There is one source code base shared by all customers. You don't have your specific version of the software. You don't need to plan for upgrades. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have any specific task linked to your environment, like backup, backup is done globally uh, for the same way for all customers. So, you know, when, when you have um, a risks. We have risk. You have two ways of handling them. You have several ways of handling them. But one, one of two, two ways of handling them is risk transfer or risk avoidance. Using a virtual machine is just like hiding the risk. Is transferring the risk to your provider. But I think it's much better to have a risk completely disappear. And uh, I thought that having just a virtual machine with a print server. It's not what I was looking for. So after some more consideration and some more prospection, Konica Minolta came back with a uh, proposed to us, everyone print. And finally, I said, yes, you nailed it. That's exactly the architecture I was looking for. It's a, it's a serverless uh, cloud-based software as a service implementation. And for me, it, uh, it, 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 answers, it, it, it answers to all my use cases, but even with a, classical implementation, I already had my use cases available. But for me, uh, the the quality of the outsourcing, the quality of transferring the skills of transferring the concerns to the provider is much better. There is a much mm -hmm. better separation of concern between my concern and the concern of the of, of the, the, the technical team behind the service. So uh, um, that's what I was looking for. That's what we finally found with uh, everyone prints. So it sounds like a lot of what you were trying to achieve in terms of your architecture, the, the challenge wasn't necessarily the service that the users got. You no. could provide that multiple different ways. Yes. It was more about how much the IT team would have to be involved, what you exactly. were touching, who was so the the main issue was this, we have a, we are a very small team. We are a very small team. We have to choose carefully the skills that we want to maintain, the tasks we want to take. And so I was looking for the best possible outsourcing model for my um, for my printing and uh, scanning services. But indeed, for my user, they don't see any difference. They don't care. Sometimes I have difficulties explaining to them why I'm so happy. I, I'm telling them, yes, we have a very good serverless cloud-based implementation. And then they give me a blank stare and say, yay. <laughs> they don't understand yeah, the difference. <laughs> but then I say something more like, okay, it reduces the cost. It reduces the uh, the hassle. The, the coordination with the provider is minimum because they don't have to warn us of a lot of things that they would have to warn us about in a classical architecture. We don't have to plan to plan maintenance window and that kind of things. We have a, a solid security. They correct the bug without telling us. So um, yeah. when you start explaining that, they they start to understand. But yeah, the this being a, a basic service, a core services, uh, it's not a sexy service. 
but at least if it can have it work without thinking about it and uh, we, 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 we're reducing the risk and the cost, then I'm really happy about it. And so thinking about the other SaaS implementations you've done, you're, yes. you're, you're kind of saying the same for, for file sharing. You don't want to think about it. You just want it to happen. Yep. And, and so is it, is it the same across all five services that you just described in terms of how you're... Well, yes, because I did, uh, well, we use uh, SharePoint online. And uh, I used, I, uh, before I did a full SharePoint farm implementation, and it's a, it's a huge project. I mean, now, nowadays, you just go with a credit card and you sign up and you, and, and, and you don't even have to, have to meet a project manager for your implementation. It's completely automated. It's completely, uh, it's, a, it's a shared infrastructure, but good, with good security. I trust into the multi-tenancy multi security. I'm not worried about that. Um, but it's really, uh, I mean, it's the best way to implement a service for me. If I, I'm trying to look for a SaaS serverless implementation for each new service that I start, each new service that I added to my catalog, I first look into possible serverless SaaS implementation before then if I don't find them, then I have to compromise and, and go and revert back to more classical architectures. But then I, I, I get back my old problems, uh, the additional work, uh, the additional coordination. Uh. And, and so put, put some numbers on this for me, just to help the listeners understand the scale. So how many printers, how many sites, how many well, users? We are not a huge uh, university. We are... Uh, we could say a medium-sized school or even a small school. So it's uh, we only have less than a hundred users. Um, we we have six multifunction printers organized in scattered into the different um, uh, floors, and we we this is just basic office printing uh, for the textbook. We print our own some of our own textbooks before that we use a very old approach where we're just using copiers. So for just for the real printing uh, from a PC, uh, we print around, I don't know, maybe maximum a thousand page per user per year. So that makes us, that makes a maximum one, um, 100,000 pages per year. That's all, so all it's volume. A relatively, a relatively small environment. Yeah, it's a small environment. But we still, as I said, we are a small team. So even for us, it could represent a lot of costs, a lot of time to manage it if we hadn't a very good serverless implementation. And so in terms of the, the three guys or the two guys plus you and the team, what kind of things are they working on instead of core services or how much of their time are they managing to save? Well, they manage, of course, the end devices. So they spend a lot of time to manage the PCs and Windows 10. And, um, but not much about printing and, and, and scanning. That doesn't that's take a very small amount of their time. It just works. Um, so they, I, as a strategy, I am, um, I have decided that all the time that we spare by, by using a good outsourcing to a serverless SaaS implementation, we would, for example, um, develop our integration skills because mm -hmm. then what happens is that we choose the best possible, uh, brand or breed of, 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 a, of a specialized software. And we don't look for one big software that does everything. We choose really, we choose, this is the best accounting software and this is the best uh, budget software and this is the best project management software. And then we develop our own skill to put it all together 
to have a single sign-on, to have data exchanges when, when required. So I think that integration skills are uh, require that that we have an, that, that to be done by the internal team because we have to understand our own processes, our own users, our own requirements, and that's in the layers. It's it's in the top layers where uh, understanding what type of uh, print driver I have to install uh, on my PC. That's in the lower layers. And that's something I really really want to to get rid of as a, as a, as a skill in my team. And, and so effectively, your team are able to elevate the work they're working on and work on higher priorities, bigger yeah. impact. So they, closer, closer, they're working on things that are closer to your organizational goals. Exactly. They are much more in contact to the end user, to the to the business processes, to the core, to the, the line of business applications. And so uh, the... Um, I, 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 find, I find it only logical that they understand the, the way the school work, they understand the way we, we teach, the way we, we plan our courses, the way we communicate. And so that's where they, they, they have the most value. And so that, that's where they should spend most of the time, not into the core invisible infrastructure services, which I want to just work. And so maybe I could ask about your users. So presumably the user base, that, that 100 users that you talk about is a mixture of staff plus students. No, no, no. So we have uh, that's only the internal uh, staff, uh, some internal teacher, and then on top of the hundred users, we have uh, we have uh, yeah. The student is complicated because it, it, we have short training and long training, but uh, we have on site around five hundred students on a day on a on daily basis. Okay. Um, but these are not using really printing and, uh, and scanning services, not directly. Though I, I've been studying with everyone print the um, the guest printing scenario, where maybe I can offer to for, for the for the external teacher who comes at the last minute and says, "Oh, I have this exercise for today. I want to print it in twenty copies," and then uh, uh, we 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 are um, uh, we have uh, evaluated a couple of possible scenarios for guest printing where I don't want to give them an account, mm -hmm. so. We provide an email. They send their printing uh, the, the, the exercise in a PDF to the email. Then they, re they receive a code back, and then they go to a printer in the building. They put the code and they receive, and they choose a number of copies. And we we offer them that. But still, we have reporting to to see if it's out of control or not. And so, effectively, you can keep those users off your network. It's only the users that IT have got control over that are touching yep. anything. Exactly. Okay. That's, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of customers are looking at that level of how do, how do we control the network? How do we control the access? You, you start to see the, the kind of buzzword around zero trust. Mm -hmm. it, it's all around a network perimeter. Uh, and when you get to the guts of it, it's understanding how do I manage my network perimeter and, and what do I consider to be the perimeter, right? When you have a cloud-first strategy, you you change slightly the uh, the balance of security, which is that you're not so much concerned about the security of your land. Actually, uh, you don't. Re I'm not saying that I do not care about the security of my local network. Still, it's not as much important because I, I do not have any important server on premise. Everything is in the cloud. So the security that is important is that nobody can access the the resources in the cloud. Um, so uh, even from home, but um, 
our strategy has has been very efficient uh, when we had when we had to face the, the COVID crisis because we didn't plan this. But when everybody had to go home, we didn't. We had very few problems. Every everybody was automatically operational, working from home because we had so much of our resources in the cloud. So, so there is. It's not more. It's not building centric anymore. It's not on-premise centric, and it's not land centric. And so the security reflects that also. So you have to have the same security working from home, working on-premise, or working even from a from a, a coffee shop or whatever from a, from the street. So. Um, and so you guys have a, a kind of cloud identity provider, and you yes. single sign on to everything. Yeah. And so, you're... so that's what that's part of the of the of the basic service, the core services that we implemented. I think that's the first environment where I work, we, where we don't have any domain classical on-premise domain controllers. We only used Azure AD. Okay. And and so uh, if all the authentication is taking place in the cloud. We 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 implemented single sign-on with everyone print uh, seamlessly, and so um, we don't have any local servers for even for security. We we have a, a VPN and, and we actually use it very seldom, uh, very few, uh, very little. I'm only using it sometimes when I have to to remotely access some network device uh, on the land for troubleshooting from home. But the user themselves, they don't need it. They have everything in the cloud. So, so VPN, instead of what probably would have been the model a few years ago, where yes. everyone has VPN connections, IT have yep. to maintain that. You guys have and, almost got rid of your network. Yeah, almost. It doesn't really matter. Actually, we could be the, the, the network in the building could, actually, could almost be a public network. I mean, a guest network. I mean, we have a, a still we have put best practice security best practices in place. I mean, we have a, a Wi-Fi, a guest Wi-Fi, which is completely separated from the the administrative network. But even if they were not, there is no big risk involved. We are maybe they could attack the printers. We don't allow them to access the printers from the guest network. But that's that's really the best practices. So. Uh, from a security point of view, it's uh, we are really we trust the fact that the cloud providers really provide a much better security than what we could do our small team ourselves in mm. our own uh, network. And that's linked effectively to just your ability to stay on top of updates, upgrades. Exactly. Also, that's part of the uh, having one source base for everybody. So. Uh, we we don't have if we if we don't care of our upgrades they're they're going to take care by themselves they they complete that's one of the concerns that has been outsourced maybe the challenge for a small business listening to this and thinking about how they get to where you are is is a lot of small businesses aren't going to be blessed with this cloud first mm. starting point but this yeah, that, kind of green field that you described exactly that was really an opportunity so um i jumped on this project when i heard about it because uh that's I wanted to to do some experimenting and uh, and we could we, we allowed ourselves to be really innovative mm -hmm. and there are a lot of uh, of other uh, in Brussels other uh, public institutions that are looking at us as an example because they still have a lot of on-premise dependencies that we've get, getting rid of the, the big symbolic step for me was no domain controller I have I had never done that before everywhere whatever I've worked with Windows with a Windows PC uh, fleet. We required a domain controller to, to configure the PC to push the the, the group policies, mm -hmm. and now we we do the equivalent using a, uh, Intune, 
the, the cloud so the, the cloud solution from Microsoft, and uh, and it's working very well. We deploy all our applications from the cloud. We deploy all the policies from the cloud, and uh, I'm very satisfied with this. And, and so, if I if I try and put you in the position of a new organization that that has some legacy stuff, mm -hmm. where do you start an IT project to get to where you are now? Because where you are now seems like an ideal scenario. Yes, it is for me. The problem is that's that's diff that that's that's not easy because um, you have to go through a transition phase that is quite complex where you're going to use at the same times the on-premise that does the hybrid cloud situation. We're mm -hmm. using the on-premise infrastructure coupled with some uh, cloud solutions, and you have a lot of uh, solution, a lot of opportunities to do that correctly. If we take the example again of uh, Active Directory, there is a service to synchronize your local Active Directory with the cloud, and so you can use the same path password and the same user accounts in the in cloud service or on-premise service is the same you can use single sign-ons between the two but implementing that it's, it's quite a project it's quite work but uh, once if you follow the microsoft i've seen have somewhere a, a roadmap to go from here to there but it's, it's a complex roadmap but, but it's a it's a well-known roadmap and you have a lot of support microsoft gives you if you buy enough licenses there is the the fast track i think it's called uh, we are much too smaller too small to to benefit from a, to have the, the amount of license to, to benefit from the fast track offer but i mean um i'm yeah it's difficult but uh you have to go there because if you don't start, you will, you, yeah, you will never get there. And mm -hmm. I, and I think that some, someday, the provider Microsoft included will stop providing some ver some on-premise version of the software. I don't yeah. think that you can that you have. I, I have to have to check, but I don't think that you can buy Dynamic CRM on-premise anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, Exchange Server is for me. Is, I think the last version is five years old. Um, and so you see the tendency. So you have to plan for this and you have to start as soon as you can and move to the cloud. Um, even though you don't trust the cloud, that's some, some, sometimes a problem, an issue. And then you have to really research the trust problem because the, the cloud providers, they will, please, they, they, will glad, they will gladly give you, gladly give you a, a lot of documentations and a lot of uh, certification proof about the security and, and compliance and all that. So I, wish, I did my... Um, what do you call that um, due diligence? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I checked that every, every, everything was in order. Of course, we are a school, so we are not a, a, a big secret government institution, but uh, we are open to innovation. We are open to uh, ex data exchange and knowledge exchange. So it's not a big deal if someone steals a course, for example. But though I still have to do my due diligence and, uh, you know, GDPR and that kind of things. For but sure. uh, all the cloud solutions nowadays, they're all the salespeople, they, they are ready to, to, to answer that typical question about security and, um, yeah, GDPR, that kind of questions. That's uh, the, the answers are readily available and, and I trust it. I, I'm reassured. And so if if I think, I guess we're kind of clearing through the cloud use case, the security use case. If I think about MPS, mm -hmm. how do you how do you procure printing services? So do you have a managed service for the on-site stuff, the devices? Is that something that you guys end up touching, like toner refills and all that kind of stuff? Or is that all an outsourced service as well? Uh, so yes, MPS was the. Uh, <clears throat> so, so I'm sorry, I'm thinking managed print services. Yeah, managed print services. 
uh, well, so we have the we have very so brand new, uh, very efficient multifunction printers that are connected to to, to, to the network to the internet to automatically send uh, alerts and uh, about about uh, toners uh, about uh, problems that kind of things, and so we have to manage, of course, the devices that are physically in our in our building. We have to provide an access to the internet, but um, for the rest, we have just one NUC for everyone okay. print. So, but that's, so you have some sort of on-site presence. There is know. one sort of on-site presence, but there is a good reason for that. I understand completely the architecture. It's just not to saturate your internet line with uh, printing jobs. Because if the print jobs have to go from your PC to the cloud and back from the cloud to the printer, it's a little bit silly because uh, there is going to saturate your, your internet line and in the, they are in the same place. The, the PC is in the building, the printer is in the building. So the Nuke is actually a shortcut to uh, to allow all the big, the big traffic is actually the, the payload, the payload of what you are printing. Mm -hmm. uh, what goes through the cloud is the metadata and the authentication. The security but once the security has been established um, then the big payload goes directly to the nuke and from the nuke to the printer and so we have very uh, we have no no problem about our bandwidth uh, even though we are doing uh, uh, cloud printing and i guess bandwidth if you're an internet only almost organization bandwidth. Th that's actually a critical point so we we really bought the uh, we subscribe to the to the the greatest bandwidth that we could well, not maybe the greatest because it wasn't a bit, a little bit too expensive, but um, we have a 600 megabits uh, fiber line, which is huge. I used to work on most of the, my, my old customers had 100 megabit mm -hmm. line. Here it's a 600 for, for such a relatively small uh, company. It's, uh, it's huge, but it's very important if you're doing, that's one of the, the big risks that you have to address is the dependency on, uh, on the bandwidth on the, on, connection to the internet but, but it sounds like from a print point of view at least you've more or less mitigated that risk yes of course the there is the this nuke is a very good idea now, of course it's still an on-premise device but uh, okay I, I mean it's a compromise it's it's a sensible compromise mm -hmm. okay so, so we touched a little bit on the pandemic you said for your for your teams the pandemic had almost no impact or yes but talk me through the pandemic so Belgium goes into lockdown. Yeah, everybody goes home, try to work from home if you can. And everybody discovered that they took their, their laptop with them and they could just work as well as they work on premise. There was almost no difference. Uh, the big issue was more into the teaching process. So for the administrative process, it was not a big deal. For the teaching process, yeah, that's, that was a big deal because uh, we had to, to, to go from on-premise teaching in class to, to uh, distance learning uh, using some kind of video conferencing solution. So that's where we put all our efforts. So the IT team complete that almost did nothing for the administrative personnel. We, we we concentrated all our energies to allowing the teachers to give distance learning. And because we only had to concentrate on that one issue, we, we nailed it. We were the only uh, police school in Belgium that achieved this uh, in Belgium anyway. Uh, other universities did it also, but we were very proud because in all the police schools, the security schools, uh, we have a family of schools in, in all Belgium. We were the only one who didn't shut down, the, just stop the courses. We continued to give the courses uh, by remote. Um, our very small team was uh, actually very proud of that. I think that 
that's a better illustration of any any of the benefit than any marketing brochure can ever come up with, right? So it's IT teams focused on core business problems instead of IT problems. Exactly. And, and Our core like, business is teaching, so we we concentrated on that specific core problem, and we and we could solve it, even though it was a lot of work. We 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 did a we did a lot of hours, but uh, and, and and of course the the teachers themselves were really open and agile because they had to adapt the 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 teaching skills, the teaching techniques to that new way of working, but it it worked. That's awesome. That's really good. Um. I'm wondering if we kind of, as, as we think about concluding, we, I'm wondering if you can give me some top tips. So you're, you're speaking to an audience which will include some, some relatively small, small organizations, small providers. What would you advise their IT teams? What are your top tips on thinking? Well, I, I would advise to, 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 to use my experience as a, as a good example. I mean, do not be afraid of the cloud um because um i mean i i dared to do cloud first serverless first uh technology to use those technologies which maybe we're not we're a, a little bit too bleeding edge if you know the the term um mm -hmm. so i took a risk but in fact it worked so well and in the two years of implementing this project they've got they got even better this so of course it's always evolving and uh, and so um I'm 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 less a visionary today than I was two years ago. But so I said, okay, I'm I'm really uh, comfort uh, comforted with my my original vision. It was a good vision, and um, if you're a small company, um, to summarize again, the, the, the one of the, the important elements of my strategy is that you you probably have a small IT departments, and so you have to to liberate your your team from uh, the, the the management of the core services and you have very very good uh, SaaS serverless implementation available uh, in in uh, in the market and it is getting even more uh, a, 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 a speaker i heard use the word plethoric he says that there is a plethoric uh, offer of SaaS and, and and more new SaaS solutions came out uh, every every month so um, you should uh impose to yourself to only use software as a service i mean cloud-based serverless software as a service implementation as much as you can and you're going to to live in a in a paradise <laughs> in some kind of paradise um where a lot of of risks just disappear they don't exist anymore it's not like you have to manage them they they just disappear so it's a it's a very comfortable situation the big problem of course is getting there if you have a lot of legacy mm -hmm. so i have that's that would be my my main tip. I mean, is to dare to to go to the cloud, um, and of course, do your your due diligence, but don't be worried worried because you will not ask uh, annoying question. All the all the all your the providers they they are waiting your question with a, a, a smile on the corner of their mouth, saying, "Yeah, I expected that." <laughs> mm -hmm. So let me show you that we are completely GDPR compliant and why and so. So the, I find out nobody is, is always becoming a, a formality. I just ask the question because I have to. I get the answer. I get all the documentation, the security measures, uh, the, the certifications and all that. I check it so to be on the safe side. Okay, it's in order. Let's move on. And mm -hmm. so do your due diligence, but be reassured that uh, you should not get into a 
huge prices. Some you still have some provider we're not ready, but uh, yeah, I, I think we've we've certainly seen in the print space that cloud services are becoming more mainstream. We've we've seen within the last twelve months Microsoft announcing universal print in beta, yeah. and then finally universal print in production. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that helps to drive this as a more of a mainstream conversation and more of a standardized practice. Um, organizations are now having to look at printing and kind of say, okay, what are we what are we doing about that? I think the pandemic has been a catalyst as well, which is really helpful for us in some respects. It's yes, I my feeling is that some technologies are just going to disappear from certain market. I I I think that for example. Less, you are less and less going to use a Linux server or Windows server, except for some really, really specific role being a, con a container server. But um, that's, that's one of the skills that should disappear from the internal team completely. It's the server OS management. Is, we, we will not need it anymore at some point. So we have to accept that. And, 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 and in some companies, they, they hang on to their skills saying, I have to use my personnel, you, ha you have to retrain them into, into something else and you have to let go of these skills that are be becoming obsolete. And um, so you have to dare go there, you have to plan for it, but you should not be afraid because uh, the, the technology is becoming more and more mature. It's not bleeding edge technology anymore. It's not, uh, I mean, yeah, you can you can depend on it. I, like I said, I think there, there's no better recommendation than customers saying that, and and hopefully giving giving end end IT departments this feeling of confidence that hey, if we if we really invest in this cloud journey and if we get the cloud journey right, we really can change the way that IT contributes to the business, which I think is a just a key a, a key focus for all IT teams now. Yes. I wonder if I if I might close with the future of printing. Um, do you see other changes? Do you see more that you guys need? What, what's missing from the market or what's missing from, <laughs> from your offering? Well, can I come with the bad news? Mm. <laughs> I think that the uh, dependency on printing and scanning is going to diminish because I think we are moving more and more into paperless strategies. Okay. And uh, I am looking a lot into that. And I am sorry to say that <laughs> I'm expecting to print less and less pages each year uh, by analyzing the dependency on paper and trying to find a better solution than using paper. So I think that's maybe in, in, a, in some future, maybe we are completely going to remove the dependency on paper, maybe. I think you're right. I, I think the, I mean, there are so many industry trends which will show you print as a, as a medium is declining. But I think the I think the challenge is to find find services that are not linked to how much you're printing, um, services that actually, from our perspective, as that declines, we probably see you as a successful customer. Mm -hmm. So you're able to print when you need to, but if you don't need to, you're not going to. Longer term, I think the industry has to do a better job of analytics to help you understand well what is it that I'm printing and and yeah. are there clusters of print jobs that actually I could remove. You, you actually have to do. A little bit like the um, the petrochemical uh, companies who have to to be credible, they have to recommend to their customer not to depend anymore on 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 fuel and to move more into into move into electricity. So yeah, maybe uh, if you really want to, to be on top of things, you will have to become paperless champions. 
even though you're <laughs> you're a printing and scanning uh, provider you have to think about the uh, to think how how to read on a screen how to how to annotate on a screen um, so if you do that and i think that the the uh, the big energy company they understand that and so they are transforming to a new business model so um i, I well that, that's what i think that the future is on. I don't know if you see that as a good news or a bad news. No, I, I honestly, I think it's good news. I think the more yeah. more disruption that happens, the more opportunities there are. As twelve months ago, I think it's impossible to to imagine talking to a customer and saying, "Hey, the pandemic's been good," mm. but actually, now a year later, I think we're seeing so many opportunities and different ways to work emerging from that. People have kind of got over the shock of it and uh, and are seeing the world differently. And I and I think the more that print especially as a technology and as a medium people start to think about it differently start to think about the role of printing differently mm. i think that's got to be a good thing um and ultimately the people who who capitalize on that who get the vision right earliest are going to be the providers that are most successful in this market i think helping customers like you to move to firstly a cloud first and and maybe eventually a paperless paperless office i think that's the right ambition gregory that's been really great um, I don't know how many of our listeners will have that enviable positioning of planning IT services for a greenfield site, but I really love the way that you think about the risk transfer versus risk avoidance. Um, hopefully that's food for thought for some of the listeners as they plan or think about moving to the cloud. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Office Print Visionaries podcast. If you have any feedback, drop me a note. Always interested to hear how I can improve.